Thank you for listening to the Trinity Baptist Church podcast from Asheville, North Carolina. For more information on Trinity Baptist Church, please visit tbcashville.org. Or to learn more about our senior pastor, Dr. Ralph Sexton, please visit ralphsextonministries.com. The speaker for today is Pastor Roy Rigdon. I will be very honest with you. I will try to be brief, as brief as I can. Uh, This morning when Pastor Nathan got up, and by the way, did he not just preach the house down? Um, The Lord really touched him and spoke to me. You know, uh, it's, it's, as a pastor, uh, it thrills us when, when, uh, when we get to hear each other preach and but when it blesses us and and it and uh, it, it speaks to us man that that you just know the Lord is really doing something special but he made me nervous uh, because uh, I'll tell you my thoughts uh, really since Polly Payne passed away I've had this thought on my heart and then after sister Polly passed away uh, brother Ronnie passed away and it just kind of Ronnie Ratcliffe passed away and it kind of brought this thought to, into my heart, and I've been thinking about this and studying on this really since uh, Sister Polly passed. Uh, but he got up and said, turn to your Bibles in Philippians. And when he said Philippians, my heart sunk because we're going to be in Philippians tonight. If you'd like to take your Bible to Philippians, turn to Philippians chapter 1. Uh, and he made me nervous there for a second, and I thank the Lord that he said chapter 2. Uh, because that's what the Lord had for us this morning. And uh, I thank God for how He blessed us this morning. And, uh, and, and actually, we're going to tag team a little bit as to what uh, Pastor Nathan uh, preached this morning to a certain degree. And then, uh, and then we'll, we'll, I just want to deliver what the Lord has been working with me about and has, has, has been dealing with me. And this is not going to be something new for you. Uh, honestly, I just want to, as the Bible says, stir up your minds by way of remembrance. Sometimes we get, uh, we forget some of these things, and I just want to offer some of these uh, these truths in God's Word for your remembrance to stir up your mind. But uh, here in Philippians, and as Nathan, uh, Pastor Nathan, reiterated this morning and, and talked about this morning, he's writing back to this church at Philippi. This is a great church. If you've ever read the entire book of Philippians, it's four chapters. I encourage you to do so. What a great chapter it is here in the Bible. And this is a, this, uh, the theme of Philippians basically is rejoicing in the Lord. There's a lot of rejoicing there. And, and Paul's really encouraging this church here at Philippi. And, uh, and what you need to keep in mind as Paul is writing to this church at Philippi is Paul's in prison. Okay, and as he is doing his best to encourage this church, realize where Paul is. Okay, he's in prison. And he's, he's uh, accomplished a lot of his ministry. But here he is writing back to the church at Philippi. And I'm just going to pick up in chapter 1, about verse 19 uh, of chapter 1. And it says, For I know that this shall turn to my salvation through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. And I believe when he's talking about salvation there, he's talking about his justification of the gospel. His, his giving him credibility that he's... That, that it's not a salvation in the Lord, but what he's saying is that there is that I know that this shall turn uh, to my salvation. They're going to realize what I've been preaching and teaching is the truth. 
according to my earnest expectation, verse 20, and my hope uh, that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but with all boldness as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be uh, by life or by death. Verse 21, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. But if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor. Yet what I shall choose, I wot not. That word wot, W-O-T, wot not. That means to make known or to declare. I declare not. For I am in a strait betwixt two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. And what's on my heart is probably the most famous verse in this book is for me to live as Christ and to die as gain. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. Lord, I thank you for the presence that I've already felt. Lord, I thank you for uh, my church family that I can worship with, that I can, I can sing with. Lord, I can lift up the name of Jesus with. Lord, I thank you that I know right now there are people in this building who are praying for me. Lord, and I thank you for that. Lord, I thank you for all the people who are ministering and doing uh, kingdom work on this campus from our teens, Lord, and our singles, Lord, and be with us here in, in the main auditorium. Lord, I pray for your presence to be on this campus. And Lord, I just pray that you will, you will use me tonight. Lord, give me the words that you would have for me to speak and keep me from saying anything that I shouldn't. And Lord, we're going to be careful to praise you for all that is done, for it is in your name I pray. Amen. Amen. That, the word joy is found five times in the book of Philippians. And the, and the verb to rejoice occurs 11 times. And the phrase, and this is what you need to get more than anything about Philippians, the phrase in Christ or in the Lord is found all throughout Philippians. And what Paul is saying to this church at Philippi is this. He's saying more importantly than anything, you be found in Christ. You want to know what joy is? Be found in Christ. Do you want to know what contentment is? You be found in Christ. Chapter 4, do you want to know what peace is? You be found in Christ. And so that's, that's the, the, the rejoicing in the Lord. That's the important thing for us to remember is Paul is telling this church, be found in Christ. Be found in the Lord. But in, in this book and in this chapter and in this verse particular, he, Paul deals with two things we all face. That's life and death. Life and death. And, and, and Paul's testimony from chapter 1, verse 21, first and foremost, he says, For me to live, for me, my life, the life that I live, the life that you see for me, the li- for, for, to me to live is Christ. And that's the most important thing that he wants us to know as he's writing this to this church. For, for him to live, for me to live is Christ. So what did it mean for, for Paul to say, for me to live is Christ? First and foremost, I believe for for Paul, Christ was the center of his life. The very center of his life. When Paul came to know the Lord as his Savior, he he didn't just receive life, but he received eternal life. And his prayer was not, Lord, uh, you know, bless what I've done. His his, His prayer was, Lord, now use me to do what you would have me to do. You know, forgetting those things, as Paul said, which are, are behind. Lord, what will you have me to do now? And the life of Christ became the very essence and the substance of his life. The very life of Christ became the most important thing in Paul's life. And that goes back to what we we heard this morning from Pastor Nathan. Are you living for yourself 
Are you living for Christ? Is, is, is your mindset as, what can I do to please me? Or is your mindset, what can I do to please Christ? And I believe when Paul makes this statement, for to me to live is Christ, he's saying Christ is the very center of my being. On the Damascus Road, Paul was alive physically, but spiritually he was dead. Until he had that incredible encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and by nature, we're all spiritually dead. Ephesians 2, 1 says, And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sin. Before we knew Jesus Christ, we were all dead. So we can relate to that. But not only, as we're looking at what Christ was, that Christ was the center of Paul's life, uh, like Paul, when we receive Christ as our Savior, we're raised spiritually from that death. Think, you you got to think in, 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 almost in black and white terms. You realize that until the day that you accepted Christ, you were in bondage and you were dead. In bondage and you were dead. Look at what John 5, 4 says. And this is the words of Jesus Christ. In your Bible, this would be in red. Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into, into condemnation, but is past from death to life. That's what Jesus did for me July the 10th, 1982. I passed from death to life. Up until that moment, no matter what I had done in my life, spiritually, I was dead. I, I, I think of, of Paul here. You know, you think, if I can find this, he lists all the things that he had done. Uh, I believe it's in chapter 3. All the things that... that that he had, had done circumcised the eighth day. He says, uh, the, the, of the stock of Israel, basically he's saying, I was the best of the best of the tribe of Benjamin and Hebrew of the Hebrews as touching the law of Pharisee. He knew it more than, than anyone else concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteous, righteousness which is in the law blameless. Paul saying, I've done all this stuff. I have done, man, when it comes to being a Jew, nobody's better than me. But up until that point and that moment on the road to Damascus, he was dead. And I think it's important for us as Christians to realize, and I think so many times, and I'm not going to speak for you, I'm going to speak for me, I forget where I come from, came from. So many times as life is good, hey, I, I'm married to a beautiful woman. I have two healthy boys. God has blessed our home. God has blessed my life. I've lived a life that that a lot of people might dream about. And if I'm not the most careful person in the world, I will forget I was dead. And on the road to hell. But when I remember where I was and what He brought me from, that helps put Christ back in the center of my life. We should never forget, just like Paul, for me to live is Christ. Christ has to be the center of my life. And, and, and not only that, but I believe that Christ was Paul's life. I believe that Christ was. He knew nothing other than Christ being the indwelling Lord of his life. The day that I got saved, the day that you got saved, Christ, the Holy Spirit, became part of me. indwelled me. And there have been days, there have been seasons even, Maybe even long seasons where I have let the cares of, of, of the flesh, I have, I have let uh, me be filled with me more than being filled with the Holy Spirit. And I'm sure I'm not the only one here. But hey, there are times in our life when that happens. But when 
for us to be able to make the, the statement, for to me to live is Christ, we have to be empty of ourselves and filled with the Spirit. And so for Paul, not only was Christ the center of his life, but Christ was his life. He was his life. You know that word Christian means, I've heard this my whole life, means little, little Christ in you. But you, you can just put that, take the A out and you can put Christ in. A Christian has Christ in. And that's what Paul, that's the way he lived his life as, as a Christian, as he had Christ in. And like I said, if you read the book of Philippians, and just underline how many times it says, in Christ, in the Lord Jesus Christ. How many times Paul knew that without the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, it's, it's, it's trying to get through this life by the strength of this flesh. And let me tell you, you it's tough. It is miserable. It is miserable, and you will be the most frustrated Christian if you've accepted Christ. You'll be the most frustrated Christian if you try to live this life in the power of this flesh. You have to empty you of you and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Christ has to be your life. You know, in, in Acts chapter 11, verse 26, it talks about the disciples. That's where they first called them Christians. And this is talking about Barnabas as he found Saul at the time, he says, And when he found him, he brought him unto Antioch, and it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people. And the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. They didn't call themselves Christians. Somebody else called them Christians. And the reason that I'm wanting to bring that up, if you go back a couple of chapters earlier in Acts chapter 9, as Paul is getting his orders to go persecute the Christians... Paul didn't even call them Christians. If you read chapter 9, verse 2, I believe Paul called them, he said, uh, any of this way. That's how he described people who love the Lord Jesus Christ. He goes, any of this way. So what I'm having to explain to you, what I want to explain to you is this. Here's Paul who has spent his adult life persecuting the church. But at this time, this conversion was so strong. He was so filled with the Holy Spirit Christ was so much the center of his life. Christ was his life that as the church at Antioch saw Paul, they said, that guy's got Christ in him. He's a Christian. I think so many times we use the word Christian a little lazily. lazily. We just throw it out there. They're Christians. Do we have Christ living in us? Because I walked through that back door doesn't mean I'm Christ-like. Because I stand up here on this platform, hey, we all struggle. We all live in this flesh, as Nathan said this morning. We all fight this fight. But to fight the fight, I have to have Christ living in me. And there was such a dramatic change in the life of the Apostle Paul that people at Antioch said, that guy's a Christian. He has Christ in him. That's what I want people to look at me and go, I, I don't know what you call it, but man, some, he's got Christ, he's got Jesus all over him. And that's what we all need. You, you know what, your, your life should be the testimony that other people see. Not necessarily what my wife's grandfather said, uh, what you, was it how you live and what you are so loud I can't hear what you're saying. And so our life should be that testimony. It should be the life of Christ living in us. Uh, you know, Paul's message was, it says, for, for to me to live as Christ. It was not uh, for me to live as fame. It wasn't for me to live as fortune or fun or pleasure or power. You know, we're all going to stand before 
a holy God and, 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 and someone like, a, like a, the, the, the CEO of Microsoft or Apple or Amazon can stand before a holy God and say, you know what, Lord, I was good. And you gave me the ability to make money. And I made a lot of money. And, you, and the holy God's going to go, that's, in, that's awesome. What did you do with my son Jesus? And so Paul knows that. And he, he's saying, for me to live as Christ, it's not for power, it's not for fame, it's not for anything other than Jesus Christ. He, you, the most famous athlete can say, Lord, you gave me incredible athletic ability and I used it. Look how I used it. I was the greatest athlete in the world. That's amazing. What did you do with my son Jesus? And that's all that's going to matter. And Paul knew that when he made that statement. For me to live, for me to live is Christ. And that's what I want for me. You know, the life that Paul speaks about is not for everybody. It's only for a Christian. Amen. Think about that. It's only for a Christian. There's a difference in the way a Christian lives and dies versus a non-Christian. You know, and, and as we've experienced several funerals here of what I call... Uh, heroes of the faith. I mean, we've, 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 we've had uh, several services in the past six months, and, and it's different. You know, we've, we've been a part of funerals where we've basically, uh, for lack of a better way to say it, we've been a host. You know, they've wanted to use our church, and we, we didn't know anything about the, the deceased or whatever. And I'm telling you, when it's a saint of God who's lived a life according to the Scriptures, filled with the Holy Ghost, it's different. It's different. I, I'm thinking of Brother Ronnie. Uh, we did not need a preacher because he had preached his life. We, it was just a celebration. I think his sister Polly, she, it was just a celebration. It's different. And you know, as Paul, like I said, as Paul was, was as, as he was... Uh, uh, writing this, here he is in jail and, and getting ready to face a trial. And, 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 the, and Nero at the time hated, hated Christians. And, uh, you know, he's, he's at the point in his life now, here he is encouraging this church, possibly getting ready to face death. And he says, hey, for me to live is Christ. It's Christ. Think, could you say that by being held in the stocks? With, prisoner, with, with prison guards on each side of you, knowing that you're getting ready to face a trial over the fact that you love the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul was not afraid of life or death, as he said there, for me to live as Christ and for me to die as gain. You know, he was, he was kind of unusual. He was facing a difficult situation. As, as, he, as he puts there, he goes, you know, you know I, I'm at a strait betwixt two. You know, it's, it's needful for me to stay here, but man, if I can go home, it's far better. It's far better for me to leave you. And for a saint of God, sometimes that's hard for us on this side of eternity to understand. That's hard that it's far better for a saint of God to go home. You know, and, and, but as long as we're here, we have to be like Paul and live to be, for, for me to live as Christ. And, you know, like I said, with Paul, there was no fear of death. There was, there was no sorrow, no sadness. You know, death, and he said this to Timothy, death's, 
the word he used was it was a departing. It was a departing. And that's a, that's a term soldiers used, and it meant to take down your tent and move on. We're departing. Take down your tent and move on. It was also used in ships in, in, in the nautical world as they were departing from the dock. They were leaving. Miss Bonnie, I think of uh, the old ship of Zion. It was departing from the dock. But what a picture for the Christian in death. The tent that we live in is going to be taken down and we're going home. It's going to be taken down and we're moving on to a far better place. And the, you know, that word departure also was, it was a, a political term. It meant for a prisoner uh, to be set free. And that's where we are now. You know, we're, 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 we're free in that he has, he has released us from sin. We are free from sin. But you know what? I still live in this flesh. And one day I will depart from here and I will be free from the bondage that is this flesh. I will be free from the bondage that is this, this world of sin. So, you know, as we're, as we're leading up to this next phrase of, of uh, to die is gain, you know, there's so much to live for. I've heard so many people all my life say this phrase, I would die for, for the Lord in a second. But how many of us will live for Him? How many of us will live for Him like the Apostle Paul is, is, is writing to this church? Will you live for Christ? You know, uh, Howard Hughes, I read it. You, know, you remember the, the billionaire Howard Hughes? Uh, I think at the time of his death, he was worth $2.5 billion. And that was even, you know, that was dramatic in that day. Uh, but in, I think, the, around the last 10 or 15 years of his life, he had spent in, as a recluse. He literally had shrunk down to 90 pounds. He was six foot four and had shrunk down to 90 pounds at the, at the point of his death. And when he died, the closest relative came and basically to identify the body said, I think it's him but I'm not sure because he was so drastically different. Here's a man that had all the wealth in the world, had fortune, he had fame, he had what the world would consider success. And he had no one to claim his body. He had no one to come mourn his death. So what they did, and this was an article in Time Magazine in 1976. He owned several casinos in Las Vegas. So they decided... the. The only thing they could, they would have a moment, one minute of silence at the, his casinos for his death. And after a minute, one of the pit bosses, uh, it was said that one of the pit bosses said, after a minute, he's looking at his watch and he said, All right, roll the dice. He's had his minute. For me to live is Christ. It has nothing to do with what I, what I get materially. It has nothing to do with what this world considers success. It has everything to do with, is Christ the center of your life? Do you live your life for Christ? That's what Nathan was saying this morning. Is your, is your motive, what can I gain? Or is your motive, Lord, what can I do for you? And that's what Paul is telling. And, and what a sad story uh, of, of Howard Hughes I would hate to get to the end of my life and all I hear is, okay, roll the dice. He's had his minute. You think about that. How are you living your life? Most of us, would, like I said, would say, oh, we'll die for, for Christ, but will you live for Him? That's what He's asking you to do right now. Will you live for Him? 
Will you live for Him? And then he made this statement. He said, for me to live is Christ, but to die, to die is gain. You know, for us, for, for men and women, as, as we're born, we understand that life is a gift from God and is to be handled carefully. Life is a gift. But according to the Apostle Paul, as a Christian, to die is gain. And only Christians can say that. You think about this. A lost man can have everything under the sun that he wants. Money, wealth, popularity, uh, fame, whatever it may be. He can have it all. But if he's a lost man, that will be the absolute best he'll ever have it on this earth. And for us, for a poor beggar that would sit by the gate and, and ask for alms, if he knew the Lord Jesus Christ, that's absolutely the worst day he'll ever spend. It's only better from here. So for me to die, for me to die as a Christian is gain. You think about that rich man in Luke chapter 16. He had it all. He had it all. And then as, he's, as, as Jesus is telling this, he's, 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 he looks up at Lazarus in the bosom of Abraham and says, can you have him dip his finger? Put it on the tip of my tongue because I'm so tormented. Can you send him to my brothers? Can you send him? Because if, if he was to go to my brothers, they would change. And you know, you can have it all. And, but if you don't have Jesus to, to die, well, it's, it's just... It's, no matter what you have here, no matter what you have, to die without Jesus, it, it goes way, it, it, it's just awful. But as a child of God, no matter how good you have it, child of God, this is the worst you're ever going to live. This is, this is the worst it's going to get. No matter how good, no matter how, no matter how bad, one day, to die is gain. And boy, we're going we're gonna to rejoice. At death, a Christian gains heaven, happiness, and the home. Finally gets home. You know, uh, death is a passage from time into eternity. From this world of sin to, to a world without sin. And that's what I'm looking forward to so much. What does it mean to die is gain? If you look up, if you go study that word gain... Uh, we studied this whole chapter, this whole book when, in our Sunday school class one time. But that word gain means more of the same. So he's saying, for me to live is Christ and to die is more Christ. You think about that. For me to live is Christ, but to die, it's even more. Because not only do I, do I get more Christ, I get rid of these these things that are weighing me down on this earth. I love that. The death of a Christian is a release from these things, from this bondage of flesh, whatever it may be. You know, we talked about that word to depart, a picture of a ship being loosened or a tent being taken down. You know, and, and Paul, Paul, like I said, he said that to Timothy. The time of departure is at hand. He's getting ready to pack up his tent and ten, when, he's when he's talking to Timothy. He's getting ready to pack up his tent and he's going to loosen. He's going to, he's going to get out of here and be departed from here where there's no sin, no sorrow, and, and no flesh to bind him down. And I love that. I love that. And, you know, 
what does a what does a Christian gain? What do we gain? Well, I just mentioned one of the things, and I'm telling you, I'm looking forward to the streets of gold. I'm looking forward to the walls of jasper. I'm looking forward to seeing my grandfathers. I'm looking forward to seeing my grandmother who I never met. I'm looking forward to seeing so many people. Ultimately, I'm looking forward to seeing Jesus. But you know what I look forward to? Probably right behind before seeing family, before seeing, right after seeing, I look forward to just no sin. No, no things bombarding my mind. No things bombarding my family. I'm looking forward to a life of sin. That's what the Christian has to gain when they say a Christian has gone for me to live as Christ, to die is gain. That's what you're going to gain. It's just this life of no more sin. And I look forward to that so much. You know, sin has affected all of us. You know, it, it, it's it, Romans 6, 23. We've all sinned, fallen short of the glory of God. It's the separator. It's the great divider. Boy, one day there's not going to be any more sin. It's going to free us from this world of sin. You know... Sin brought death at the Garden of Eden. You think about it. I never thought about this until I was studying this out. Sin came in a garden and death was defeated in a garden. You think Joseph of Arimathea at that grave. That was a beautiful garden there outside of that. Sin came in the Garden of Eden and it was defeated at the garden there in Jerusalem. And I thank God for that. For a Christian to die guarantees a resurrection. And I'm so looking forward to that. You know, the, when the Lord comes, you know, we're right now it says it's appointed unto men once to die. And as of now, uh, I think it's right around 100%. Best I can tell, right around 100% so far. If they've departed this world, it's been through death. You know, we're, and we're going to go either by way of the grave. He could come before we finish tonight. But the, this, this resurrection, I'm so looking forward. I'm looking forward to that. The older I get, the more I look forward to that next life that he has in store for us. You know, there's just so much to look forward to. Um, one of the things that we, I don't think we've ever understood that we're going to gain when to, 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 to die is gain is I don't think we've ever understood, nor will we understand, because I, I just don't think our minds are capable of understanding the love that God has for, for His children. I, don't think we, I think we get to experience it. And I think when we feel it, and we, when He wraps His arms, it's one of the most incredible feelings, but I don't think we've experienced it like we're going to experience it on that day of resurrection. Because we experience it at times, but when we get there, we're going to bask in it. It's going to be, it, it, we're going to live in that love. You know, and we'll understand what the love of God really, I, I love that song, 220 in the Red Book, The Love of God. I love that song. But we'll finally know what it is. That's one of the things that we will gain. And for the Christian, death is, death is gained because it means rejoicing. We're going to rejoice forevermore. I want to read a scripture to you. And y'all have heard this, but man, it just gets me going like nobody's business. 
It's in Revelation chapter 4, and it said, chapter 4, verse 7, it said, And the first beast was like a lion, and the second beast like a calf. The third beast had a face as a man, and the fourth beast was like a flying eagle. And the four beasts had each of them six wings about him, and they were full of eyes within, and they rest not day and night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. And when those beasts give glory and honor and thanks to him that sat on the throne who liveth forever and ever, and the four and twenty elders fall down before him that sat on the throne and worship him that liveth forever and ever, and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure thou they are and were created." Man, we're going to gain rejoicing and worship like we've never, ever known. We're going to gain that. And, and boy, that, that scripture, it gets me fired up. Holy, holy, holy. I can't help but think of Poppy preaching that message. Holy, holy, holy. But we're going to know what it is to truly worship. We're going to know what it is to understand true rejoicing. That, that will... That will be something that only heaven can reveal to us because I'm telling our our physical minds, our physical, they just can't comprehend what heaven is going to be like. Oh, we're going to have the joy of being in the Father's house. I think of that John uh, 14, 2, in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. And I go to prepare a place where we have so much to look forward to. So much. I look forward to the part where we can gain perfection and holiness. You know, we're imperfect now, but it, at, at, at the, our death, I think, like I said, these saints, at their death, they arrive, when they arrive to be, pres- to be absent from this body, to be present with the Lord, they gain perfection. First John 3, 1 and 2 says, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore, the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, And it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when He shall appear, we shall be like Him. For we shall see Him as He is. We haven't even come close to seeing the finished product of what it's going to be like. We have so much to gain when we get there. You know, I I, I was thinking of the... uh, Another thing that we're going to gain is... We're going to get rid of faith... And gain sight. I thought of the second verse of Beulah Land. And it said, uh, I'm looking now across the river. Where my faith shall end. Because I'm going to get to see it. You think about that. That's what we're going to gain. We're going to gain, we're going to gain the sight of the things that we've had faith, faith in. And I look forward to that. You know. As I'm talking about this, and I've said it, it's, it's about 100% right now as far as death uh, taking, the, taking man, taking woman. It, death doesn't retire. It's relentless. It comes and comes, and it's part of life. And life is short. You know, James 4.14, we all know that Scripture says life is but a vapor. I love this, though, in 1 Samuel chapter 20, verse 3, David says, But truly as the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, there is but a step between me and death, but a step. You know, I may not, I may not die of old age. I, we, don't know what, we don't know what the rest of this day holds. 
But life is short and it should be handled preciously. You know, and it is precious. Psalms 116.15 says, Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of His saints. I think about these saints that I mentioned. Uh, Brother Jerry, I thought about Miss Juanita. I thought about Trevor. I thought about other people who are here. And I, I, I promise, I, I'm not trying to play on anybody's emotions. I'm not. But how precious it was. How hard it was for us. But in the sight of the Lord, how precious is the death of His saints. Blessed are the dead which die in the Lord. And I, 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 thank, I thank God for that. You know, Mickey Mantle was a, a great hero to a lot of people. Uh, a generation before me, I knew who Mickey Mantle was. I loved, I loved baseball. And he was this great, incredible athlete for the New York Yankees. And he died in 1995 of cancer. It was August of 95. And this July before that, he said in a news conference, he said, uh, basically he was telling, he said he'd, he had squandered a gifted life and warned admirers that he was no role model. And this is his quote, God gave me the ability to play baseball and God gave me everything, he said. For kids out there, don't be like me. God gives us so much. Are we living for Him? Or are we living for what we can gain? And when we do come to this end of life, when we do come to this, plan, this, this point when, when, when our life may, may be over and we don't know what that day is, is it gonna, are we looking forward to what we're going to gain? You know, the closer we are to Jesus Christ, the more filled we are with the Holy Spirit, we can be more like Paul who says, you know, I'm, I'm kind of at a crossroads because, you know, I want to stay here for you. I want to stay here to help. But, hey, if I get out of here, if God takes me, it's far better. And I, I want to encourage, let's be close to Christ. Let's be close to Him. You know, I was thinking about that scripture I was reading, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of His saints. And I want to play you something that uh, I was very privileged to be a part of. Uh, it was around 2000, 2001, when I was traveling with the Gaithers. Uh, we shot a video down in New Orleans, uh, Louisiana. And some of you may have seen this, and if you have... It, it, it's still, I was there, and it blesses me every time I see it. I just have it in my mind that this could possibly be what it's like at the death of a saint. And so, uh, I, I, Angie, I, I'm not, I promise I'm not playing on anybody's emotions, but I thought of Ronnie. I thought of Juanita. I thought of other people. And Crystal, go ahead and play this, and, and I hope it blesses your heart. Weep not. She is not dead. She is resting in the bosom of Jesus. Heartbroken husband, weep no more. Grief-stricken son, weep. No more, she only just gone on. Day before yesterday morning, God was looking down from his great high heaven, looking down on all his children, and his eye fell on Sister Caroline, tossing on her bed of pain. 
And God's big heart was touched with pity, with everlasting pity. And God sat back on his throne and he commanded that tall, bright angel standing at his right hand, call me death. And that tall, bright angel cried in a voice like a clap of thunder, call death, call death. And the echo sounded down the streets of heaven till it reached away back to that shadowy place where death waits with his pale white horses. And death heard the summons and he leaped on his fastest horse, pale as a sheet in the moonlight. Up the golden street death galloped and the hooves of his horses struck fire from the gold, but they didn't make no sound. Up death rode to the great white throne and waited for God's command. And God said, go down death, go down, down in Yamacraw and find Sister Caroline. She's borne the burden in the heat of the day. She's labored long in my vineyard, and she's tired, she's weary. Go down, death, and bring her to me. And death didn't say a word, but he loosened the reins on his pale white horse, and he clamped the spurs to his bloodless sides, and out and down he rode through heaven's pearly gates, past suns and moons and stars on death road leaving the lightning flash behind straight down he came and while we were watching round her bed she turned her eyes and looked away she saw what we couldn't see she saw old death she saw old death coming like a falling star, but death didn't frighten Sister Caroline. He looked to her like a welcome friend, and she whispered to us, I'm going on, and she smiled and closed her eyes, and death took her up like a baby, and she lay in his icy arms, but she didn't feel no chill. And death began to ride again, up beyond the evening star, into the glittering light of glory, onto the great white throne. And there he laid Sister Caroline on the loving breast of Jesus. And Jesus took his own hand and wiped away her tears and he smoothed the furrows from her face and the angels sang a little song and Jesus rocked her in his arms and kept a saying take your rest take your rest weep not weep not she is not dead she is asleep she is resting in the bosom of Jesus. I don't know what it's going to be like, but I can't help but think that for the death of a saint, it's something like that.
It's something like that. So I want to encourage us tonight as we close. Uh, I don't have anything I need to, we need to play. or we, I just want to encourage us, church, let's live like Paul. Christ be the center of everything we do. Christ is our life. Empty us of us and fill us with Him. It's like it says in Ephesians, be filled with the Spirit. That changes. I'm telling you, when you do that, that changes everything. That changes everything. And when we get to this thing called death, when we get to this thing called the end of life, when we see it the way Paul sees it, because we're so close to the Lamb of God, when we see it the way he sees it, there won't be no chill. It'll be to die is gain. It's going to be better. It's going to be more of what I've had. What have I had? I've had Christ living in me. So to die is more of what I've already had. I'm going to not only, he's not going to be living in me anymore. I'm going to be living with him face to face. I want to encourage this church. Let's live that way. Let's, like Nathan said this morning, like we're saying tonight, don't get distracted. Let's don't get distracted by this world. Let's don't get distracted by, by what we think may be important. What we think, if it doesn't line up with the word of God, it's not important. At the end of the day, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. Lord, I thank you for another Lord's Day. I thank you for that we can come in here, Lord, and, and worship you in spirit and in truth, Lord. I thank you for my church family, Lord. I know that uh, they are so, they love you. They love the word. And Lord, help us to stay focused on the things that are important. Help us to stay uh, uh, in your will, filled with the Holy Spirit, empty us of us and fill us with you. And Lord, we want to live like Paul lived at this time as he is encouraging other people. Lord, he was persecuted on every hand. Lord, he lived a life that was hard. It was hard. But Lord, he loved you and he stayed true to you and he, was, he, he couldn't decide, Lord, whether to be with you or to help others. Lord, we want to live that life. Lord, be with us throughout this week. Help us to do things this week that bring honor and glory to you and not ourselves. Lord, help us to do things this week that lift up the name of Jesus. Let us be an encouragement to, to the people that we work with. Let us be an encouragement to our, our fellow man, our, our fellow Christians, Lord, our brothers and sisters in Christ. And Lord, we are going to praise you for all that you do through us. Lord, I pray, Lord, selfishly that you would use this church Lord, I pray that you'll take the people of Trinity Baptist Church. Lord, we don't want to gain glory, Lord. We just want the gospel to go out from here. We want to be used is what we want, Lord. We want you to use us that, that people can come to know you as their Lord and Savior. Lord, we thank you and we praise you. We look forward, Father, to being together again. And Lord, we just thank you for all that you're doing. Please, Father, just watch over us, protect us. Keep us in your will, for it is in your name I pray. Amen. Thank you for being with us today. I pray that today God spoke to your heart. You know, it's one thing to hear Ralph talk. It's one thing to hear a choir sing. It's one thing to hear a group bring a special song presentation. But it's altogether different when you're sitting there in that hotel room, in your house, maybe listening on your phone while you're at work, and God speaks to your heart. That's not me. That's not a Baptist, a Methodist, or a Presbyterian church. That's God. That's personal. 
That's you. And the Bible teaches quite clearly that when God touches your heart, when he speaks to you, that you can call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. This Bible teaches that all of us have to have him. You say, well, Brother Ralph, your dad was a preacher. My dad being a preacher couldn't help me. Well, you say your mama taught Sunday school and she prayed. That couldn't help me. The Bible says that we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. The Bible says, not me, not the Baptist, the Bible says that there's none righteous, though not one. Today is the day of salvation. You can begin anew. It can start over. The past can be covered by the blood. You can get out of living in your rearview mirror. The guilt, the problems. God can forgive you and you can start over today. You say, Brother Ralph, how is that possible? Well, a simple prayer is that very beginning. God, be merciful unto me a sinner. I'm sorry for my sin. Please forgive me. And I promise you, God, from this day forward, I'll serve you with the rest of my life. You can begin again in Jesus Christ. I want to encourage you to read your Bible. If you don't have a Bible, you call us, you write to us. We'll send you a copy of the Word of God. And I want to encourage you to get into a local church, a church in your community, that you can have a fellowship of faith that will help you grow and teach you about the Word of God. Today's the day of salvation. This is the first day of the rest of your life. Let's serve the Lord together and let's meet each other in heaven. I'll be praying for you and I ask you to pray for me.